The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to Be Wealthy. I'm your host for tonight's episode, Spencer Hager, with me, Cole Hammock. Both of us are certified financial planners. John Sestina is with us. He's our founder. Might as well be a certified financial planner, but he I just it. wrote the exam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, you know, <laughs> did that in Colorado, the retirement section. There you go. You nice. Good on you. Why'd you so, make it so hard? Because I wanted you to sweat. <laughs> you did. Job well done. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say it's the same lineup. Last time I hosted the show, it was the three of us. So hopefully, I have another good one, John. Yeah, yeah I think so. Awesome. All right, so for tonight's show, we're going to be talking, we'll start with some current events, but the main topic for the show is going to be about major purchases. So depending on where you're at in life, that could mean a couple different things for you, but we're going to talk about examples of major purchases, how you should save, maybe even invest for those purchases, and a lot of other things along the way. So to start off, though, current events, there's a lot of international current events. I'm going to steer away from those. We're going to keep it financial. First one is the student loan forbearance. Okay, so if you have federal student loans, they have been pushing out the required payments for those because of COVID. Okay, so they pushed it out. It was up until May 1st. I, I was not surprised at all to see they pushed it. So right. now it's September. Okay, I thought the writing was on the wall. John, What uh, do you see that? What do you think of it? Oh, what do you think? I mean, uh, they tell us on one hand that the COVID is over. On the other hand, you have to wear a mask on the plane. Then on the other hand, they want to forgive your loan because of COVID. What's going on? I, it is kind of weird from the standpoint. I don't really know. Right. They do keep saying that's the justification. It's because of the right the economic impact from COVID and people are still reeling from that. I think that's fair. I just don't necessarily know when that argument runs out. Right. When when are we <clears> technically right. recovered and when should people be expected to go back to paying? Well, think about it. I mean, we're what is the unemployment rate now? It's way down in the threes, right? It's record six, record three low, six, yeah. really great. And how about the needed jobs? Are there lots of jobs for folks? Yeah, I mean, apparently, yeah, just absolutely, un, just tremendously. All the employers are screaming the, they need employees, so there are lots of jobs. People could make money, and oh, I know they could repay their student loans. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at it. So what this affects 43 million people, right? They're saying the amount of debt it covers, which is a gut punch. It's 1.6 trillion in student loan debt. Yep. I, I mean, I don't know. Cole, what do you think? I, I'm sympathetic for people. Obviously, I I think I'm sure there are some people hurting out there still. But at the same point, it's got to end eventually. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, you're absolutely right. It has to end eventually. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just... Uh... Maybe I'm just selfless, or maybe, maybe I care too much. But oh my word, <laughs> I, I don't mind not paying on my loans right now. Is all I'm gonna. Maybe I am selfish, actually. Is where this all comes down. That's what it, it is. It's all about me. No, I, I don't know. I, I know. I think with where things are, I, we'll get into it yeah. as we get into the, the program here with the major purchases. I know schooling, tuition being one of them, but 
just the mismatch between the cost of everything and the the wages right now it's it's difficult on a lot of people with or without covid so i think if it does take a couple more months to get things back started it's going to take a couple more months who knows what'll happen on the other end of that but I, I'm all for it. I, I am, and this will tie into other parts of the show inadvertently, but I am almost at that point where I think I'm like everyone else. I am so fed up with this issue. Sometimes I almost wonder if it does make sense. Stroke the check, wipe the slate clean, and then just restart the system because it is insane how much this has gone out of control. <laughs> it is insane how much prices go up. So do you just wipe it clean and tell people, I'm sorry, depending on what you want to go to college for, we're not saying you can't go. We'll give you a loan. But it's not going to be enough to go run up two hundred thousand dollars in debt that you can't repay. I don't hate the idea of a reboot, but I heard Stephen say that. So I'm not sure where he got it. If it's a Stephen idea, but um, what was it? The, the the loan or the tuition should be based on the major involved. Yeah, I mean, right. it's tough. Right. But it's What's true. the anticipated income you're going to receive for the profession you're choosing? Exactly, and that makes all the sense in the world. And you know what else might be nice is if the university contributed to the loans. Yeah, because it's their costs that are causing this problem. And as we all know, this is not going to better education. It's going to more buildings and more amenities and all that stuff you like, Cole. That's what the problem is. Listen, let's not peg me in that light. (laughs) Uh That is my first question every time I see that. uh, That someone, some university froze the tuition. It's the first question. What about the uh, what about the housing costs, room and board? Yeah. No, they never freeze that. But on your own. Good luck. The one constructive thing I will say for this, so if you are one of the people where you are getting to take advantage of the forbearance, I'm sure you've probably already heard it from someone else, but hopefully you can let the money sit in the bank. Maybe you take advantage of a, I don't know, a high-yield savings account, probably don't get too aggressive, but take advantage of the interest, and then if they ever do, call it off and make people start paying again. Hopefully you can uh, hit whatever debt you have with the hammer and hit it with a nice big lump sum. Yeah. And what's important there is you have to pay attention. Yeah. Because right? it is very easy to miss, oh, hey, we're starting this back, and then it's going to start accumulating interest whether or not you're aware of it. So. And also remember, if you have private loans, this does not this does not <laughs> extend to you. So, Good caveat. Yeah, they may work with you a little bit, but it is not the same flexibility. So just be mindful of that too. So we'll leave it at that. I feel like we kept it pretty tame. Uh, so the next <laughs> big one is the – so the mortgage rates are shooting up pretty quickly. Um this one I find really staggering. Like I said, the student loan forbearance, I, I kind of saw it coming. I think most of us did. But average 30-year fixed mortgage rate topped 5%. Yeah. 5%. 5%. I haven't sold my house yet. They can't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get on it, John. <laughs> well, what's the interest rate on your hotel suite, John? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the uh, that's the first time we crossed 5%, though, since 2011. Okay, so this time, 2018, it was around 3%. I mean, just think back to a year ago, the craze with refinances, um, right? They tried to even tack on some extra fees because so many people were trying to refi. The fact that it's at 5%, I mean, are you starting to see it, right? Home purchases are starting to slow a little bit. I imagine it's probably slow to slow, but we'll we'll get there, Yeah, right? Things will slow down for a lot of reasons, but historically it's still relatively cheap yeah I mean, five percent no one likes to, right? to hear it compared to where we've been as low as two but god john what was your first mortgage my very first mortgage was 13 and a half percent interest so uh, how much did you get in the bank account uh nothing there was it so <laughs> but people came by to see it was so funny because the closing room had a lot of windows around it it was like a circular circular room and there were all these people standing at the windows and looking in and 
They were there to see who got this great rate because a 13.5% at that time was a good deal. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> I do, yeah, and I. And it's a little bit indelicate, but it probably does drive home the point too that if uh, if a four percent interest rate versus a five percent really is enough to deter you from being able to afford the home, probably a little bit of a telltale sign it maybe wasn't a good fit to begin with. All right. It is a little bit spooky though. I think we all got spoiled off of how low interest rates are because we came <clears> out of the '08 uh, recession. Rates were super low. Last couple of years, rates been super low. It is kind of a reminder that for the variable interest rate mortgages like the ARMS, the adjustable rate mortgage, right? Very mindful of that because rates are shooting up super quick. I'm not saying it's going to keep going at that pace, but once again, maybe don't let yourself get sucked into that as a selling point that the starting rate's super low. Yeah, you got to be really aware of that. That's your your ARMS, your adjustable rate mortgages. Mm -hmm. So you have to know when that adjusts, how much it can adjust at any given point, and Maybe now's the time to refi if we envision rates are going to keep increasing. Yeah. I went to, I bought out a lease recently, and that was the first thing the uh, the Honda Finance there manager was talking to me about. He kept telling me how lucky I was to lock in the rate when I did. And so I appreciated that. But <laughs> Well, good for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So be mindful of it So because the rates are going to keep going up. And on the other side of the coin, ideally, it should affect the interest you see in the bank. So maybe it's not going to hit you as much you have a pnc savings account or something else like that like huntington but probably going to see cd rates start to go up other high yield savings account rates go up so watch that too maybe you can get a little bit more for your buck good time for savers awesome all right we're going to jump into major purchases and everything else in the next couple segments here please stick around you've been listening to managing managing to be wealthy on 610 wtvn you're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. First segment, we were talking about different current events. Now we're going to move into the meat of tonight's uh, show. So, it's all about major purchases, so hopefully if you're listening to, listening to this, even if you feel like you've checked off some of the major purchases, right? people can probably guess what I'm going to get at for a couple of these, buying a home. Education's one, even though most people maybe don't think of it as a purchase, but even if you've checked some of those off, I think we all know someone who's looking to buy a home or looking to go to college or anything else. So uh, you can always go to our website if you find this interesting, www.managingtobewealthy.com. Go up to the top right section on the archive. Feel free to send this to them. Hopefully they get uh, a couple good tidbits out of it. So I think it's usually good to start off broad, and then we'll kind of start to narrow in as we go here. So I like to just kind of start with, Right. What are some good examples of some major purchases? And then right, any major purchase should be a goal, right? It's the same same sure. thing. So let's try and break it out into short-term, mid-term, long-term goals. Okay, Short-term depends on where you're at in life. So like I said, if you're the 18-year-old, I would say whatever you want to do for college. If you want to do college, that's a short-term goal, right? How are you going to go about funding it? I won't keep talking the whole time. So, uh, Cole, what do you think about for like midterm, long-term goals, major uh, purchases? I, if we're talking long-term goals, it's not so much a purchase as it is a concept, mm -hmm. but retirement. Yeah. Right. That, that is a long-term goal. There's usually a, a set amount that you need what your enough is to actually retire, retire comfortably, not have to go back to work. So wherever you are in your stage of life, it could be a little bit shorter. Like for you, me, Spencer, that's the next what, 30, 40 years. Yep. But, John, yours is probably the next... Minus five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you filled in the blank there. <laughs> so, 
So it all comes down to, to where you are, your stage in life. But that's definitely something to be thinking about. But uh, it could also be the home or uh, long-term uh, ed- education for your kids. Yep. If you have 18-plus years, that's long-term. Intermediate's yeah. a little bit more uh, nebulous. So what def- what's uh, the definition of intermediate? Maybe it's five to ten five years. Um, could be a could be a car. Could also be the other things we talked about. So it all just depends on where you are in your your own time horizon. So let's go. Let's get interesting with it. So uh, we'll start with how you should invest. Assuming it's a right, it's a non-negotiable. You're going to make the major purchase. You just want to know best way to go about saving for it. Easy one is the short term, right? If it's zero to five years, probably means you should just keep it in cash. I talked last segment about look out for rates. If you want to get a little bit more, maybe you do some CDs, bonds. Really not that much better than cash, but it's something. All right, so let's move to five to 10. So let's say you want to buy a home in seven years, okay? You want to put 20, 20% down. It's probably a big down payment. Do you just keep it in cash? Do you get any more aggressive with it, knowing you've got it, you know, six, seven years? John or Cole, jump in. I I like to live dangerously. I I would invest (laughs) it a little bit. (laughs) So put some of that to work. You have more than five years. Realistically, market could come down, right, in that last little stretch, and whatever it is is in that account could be less. So that's something that you need to be well aware of going into it, but – and the chance that historically it's it's going to be more just based on the time horizon, I'd be inclined to go that route. Okay. So when you say invest, are you talking about you know uh, Bitcoin? Uh, no, <laughs> nope. Great uh, great follow up there. Wouldn't be the bitcoins. Wouldn't be your NFTs. No one knows where those are going to go. I'm I don't even fully understand those to a certain degree, especially the NFTs. They're very strange. Those are your non fungible tokens. Yeah, yeah, it's more detail than we need to get into at any point, anytime soon. But <laughs> so, so you're talking about bonds or stocks? Be, uh, stocks or? and bonds, a good mm-hmm. blend of the two. So I, I wouldn't want to go very terribly aggressive. I wouldn't just do all stocks or just invest in one particular company stocks. There's a lot of risk there. But spread that out a little bit, some stocks, some bonds, and then level that out as I get closer and closer to the goal. John, you always say that uh, if you can't pay for something in cash, don't do it. But I know that's not a literal idea so i mean let's say yes it is yeah i was gonna say yeah you uh how much do you save john is it over a million dollars if you never debt finance yeah well and by that i mean uh i mean do you just keep it in cash the whole time right if you've got a goal that's 10 years out do you leave it in cash or do you i I keep it invested okay in the market primarily because that's still the best vehicle there is over history we've seen that Mm -hmm. so primarily be in the market but you keep everything invested. If you're within a shorter period of time, then as you guys said, maybe go a little more bonds, mm-hmm. have a section, a little more bonds, a little more stuff like that. But right, when you should, when you go to buy something, you should have the cash to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Now you may not pay cash when you buy it, because uh, as we had this last period, when interest rates were two percent, now you'd be silly to pay cash. Yeah, because the loan is free money. So the same thing would be true here. But you should be in a position so there is never stress on your life. That's the point. We talk about peace of mind as the end of financial planning. That's what we try to help people do. So if you have cash to buy something, you never think about it. Mm-hmm. I tell, uh, I've told a story when Bobby and I used to go to Hawaii every year. We had, uh, we'd go the first couple of years and I'd use my wonderful platinum express card. And that was exciting, except when I came back, 
I'd usually get thank you notes from American Express. <laughs> but you did. Yeah, I did. And they wanted money. So we turned it around and we began to save in advance. And so now when we would go, I'd give Bobby an envelope full of cash and I'd, you know, money, uh, not cash really, but, yeah. uh, and I'd have a similar envelope. And I remember one year we were coming back, we're in the airport and we both had money in our envelopes and we had to spell, spend it. Yep. That was the rule. You had to get rid of it. Much better feeling. Much better feeling. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people tell me that about uh, weddings and honeymoons. Right? Uh -oh. Set the money aside because a lot of people don't necessarily do that. You start the honeymoon and then you're kind of spending the whole time oh, yeah. thinking about what you're spending. Right. So, yeah, that's probably a good uh, bit of advice. Well, then you get the step ladder for the wedding and then, uh, you know, your honeymoon can be in your apartment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the other important piece too, right? If you want to start to dabble into the more risky side, right? If you got six to seven years, the first part is, are you comfortable knowing that it could fluctuate over the six, seven years? The other important piece, what I always tell people is, right? Some you got to know when to call a win a win. And right? if you put yeah. money aside and it gets four to five years in, you've made a nice return, did way better than cash. You have to know or tell yourself from the start that if you saw a nice return and you've won, right? Don't keep pushing it up until the last six months, okay? Just that it becomes gambling. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a constant reevaluation. So whether it's every three months, six months, each year, you have to be mindful of that if you're working in that intermediate range. Yeah, so that, that's a great point. So basically develop your strategy before you even get started. Yep. Set up a plan. Yep. So are you talking about enough again? So what's a, a enough of a return? Mm -hmm. Of course you are. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at uh, saving this money, investing this money, you should have some goal in mind. The yep. goal is rate of return, whatever that's going to be. And then you don't stretch yourself out and go gambling like Cole wants you to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Live on the edge. Come on. You can hear it in his voice. He's a gambling man. <laughs> So, yeah, I would say that's really for any intermediate goal. So whether it's, you know, your kids is, you know, six, seven years out from college, right? Same concept. If you want to be mm -hmm. really aggressive for the first 10 years, that's a good thing. I'm usually a fan of that. Same concept. You have to be able to make the adjustment or accept the consequences if you ride it up until the end. And, you know, that's okay, too, for some people. So I would say short term, we all agree it's pretty much probably cash, CDs, bonds, unless you want to really play with fire. Intermediate five to ten probably should do something in the middle, not just cash, but be mindful. And then, Cole, I think to your point, I mean, uh, long-term goals, right, if you're 10 years plus, retirement is, right, it's either retirement, we have a really young child who's going to college, mm -hmm. maybe a vacation home, any other big long-term goals you can think of? I mean, vacation home, that's, that's, that's a fun conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, realistically, it could be anything. Yeah. Right? We could start talking grandkids at that point. So long-term can be so many things. So start thinking about it early, think about it often, and plan accordingly. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, so that's the investing side. When we get into it next, we're going to talk about kind of what you can afford, some rules of thumb out there, and a lot more. So stick around. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on 610 WTVN. <laughs> Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy. A quick reminder for anyone listening, tonight we're talking a lot about major purchases, but if you're anything that piques your interest or if you're listening to other podcasts, just a quick reminder for everyone, you can always set up a complimentary consultation meeting. Okay, easiest way is usually to call our office at 614-326-3077, or you can go to the website, which again is www.managingtobewealthy.com. All right, top right, and then you can set up a meeting. Uh, like I said, it's a quick hour. We can always go longer if needed. Talk through your plan. Tell you about us. See if it's a good fit. At the uh, very least, hopefully you can get something out of it. So 
We spent the last segment talking about kind of what are some examples of major purchases, and we talked about how you should maybe go about investing for it. And now I think we're going to continue moving into the weeds of it. So this is always a question I have for people, and I'm kind of going through my own case study. I'm uh, getting married in a couple months. I'm going to inherit some student loan debt. So, <laughs> right? You're how, yeah. So there's a couple rules of thumb we'll get into, but the first kind of just general question is how much should you be layering some of these long-term goals? Right. So there's a lot of, unfortunately, kind of depressing articles out there about millennials and are they set up to really buy homes? And a big part of it is because, once again, how much people are getting just leveled with student loan debt. Mm-hmm. Right. So not only is it a huge debt you have to pay off, you pretty much already got your first mortgage before you were 25. Then you've also got the monthly payment involved. So I don't think there's really a good rule of thumb with it. You can tie that into the income, but I guess just on a gut level, like John, how do you feel about having, you know, five figures of student loan debt or six figures and trying to look at buying a home? Well, you know, you shouldn't because yeah. the uh, concept is really important. Look at debt as an expense. If you had a business and you had to borrow money to buy equipment or whatever it is, those payments that you make are not investments. They're an expense. Mm-hmm. And so you have to look at the debt as the same way. And so that's the challenge I have. People keep borrowing money for all kinds of reasons, most of which are not exciting. And so they get themselves in trouble. Instead, they get behind the eight ball. They're trying to push, you know, now a 5% debt and a student loan debt and a car debt and a refrigerator debt and a wedding day. <laughs> but what if the refrigerator is 0% for 36 months? <laughs> it's for the next show. <laughs> uh, but uh, it is a little bit scary. So I was looking up some stats on this ahead of time. So uh, essentially since 1980, right, college tuition's grown six and a half times quicker than income. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you wonder why people are struggling so much. And just think about Right. If you can't come to the table purchasing 20% in most cases or purchasing with a 20% down payment for a home, right, they're going to hit you with PMI. Right? It's an extra payment on each monthly mortgage. And if something happens and you go down, you're now strapped and leveraged even more. Right. And that's kind of the dangerous part with it. So I don't know. I almost sometimes think it, it comes down to your comfort level. Like I'm super debt averse. I hate the idea of having a mortgage on top of a student loan payment. But I mean, Cole, do you have any thoughts? Or you agree with John? Uh, I, I think it depends. So yeah. uh, conceptually, John, I, I agree with you 100. percent But there, there are scenarios where you take your your doctors, your physicians, your people making half a million bucks a year, and sure, maybe they have two hundred thousand dollars in student loans, but they're the people in the position where absolutely. Yeah, uh, you, you can afford that house on a six-figure student loan debt. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you run into the scenario, is it too much home? And I think that that's another conversation entirely because it's one of the most emotional decisions anybody can make. It's very easy to, to fall into that too much. And then regardless of what the other debts are, if you think you're doing the right thing, you're going to end up in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people are emotionally driven to buy too much house. Oh, yeah. And that's the challenge. Yep. That's why there are open houses. So <laughs> yeah. you go in and see it and say, oh, that's so lovely. It smells we like cookies. That. Oh, they should have cookies, <laughs> yes. As long as they're chocolate chip with nuts in them, they're good. <laughs> and then you look at the whole house. And I was talking to a person the other day, and they told me about a house they went to look at. And once they got in it, they were they were done. Yeah. Because uh, the, the realtor kept pointing out all the things that were just perfect for their family. Of course. And so they bought it, and they did enjoy it. 
But nonetheless, you have to be aware when you make this, oh, it's so interesting. Money is money is non-emotional and it's unemotional. Mm -hmm. So when you're out there using it, you should be unemotional. That's the biggest challenge. Yeah. People get, you know, oh, look at that suit, man. I need that. It's, it's hard to be objective. <laughs> yeah, the fringes on that thing are great. So they want to buy the suit <laughs> and they finance it with a credit card. You Be unemotional. Be logical. Absolutely. That's a fair one. So let's go into a pretty popular rule of thumb. I remember reading about this in textbooks. I saw Kevin O'Leary and Mr. Wonderful talk about this all the time. So it's the 2836 rule, okay? So the rule is 28%. You shouldn't be spending more than 28% of gross, not net, income on housing expenses, and you shouldn't be spending more than 36% of your income each month on just total debt service. Okay, so I could be a mortgage, it could just be monthly rent, plus student loans, credit cards, whatever it is. I tend to shy away from rules of thumb. I don't think this one's necessarily a bad one. I, I'll, I'll admit, I'm not a fan of the 28 gross, yeah. because the net is gonna be so different for so many people. If you're maximizing your 401k and you're making $50,000 a year, uh, minus maybe some other taxes, you might be bringing home $20,000. But if you're doing 28% to 50 grand, what is that, four grand a month, mm -hmm. something like that, or four grand a year? Yeah, yeah, four grand. Um, that's going to be mismatched relative to what your actual take home is. So <sighs> conceptually, it's good to have a rule of thumb, but I think a lot of people get in trouble uh, with it if they rely on it too heavily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's tough too. And once, kind of to your point, John, like I do talk to some people where the rule just doesn't work. Sometimes some people go over the rule and it's, you, you we can talk it through to death, we can spreadsheet it to death and it's just the numbers aren't going to work. You're going to go above the rule, right? And then that's the next piece is sacrifices may need to be made. If you need to live here to live, then that's okay. But well, just, just think of this a minute. So what is it, 26%? 28%. 28% and 36%. You got Correct. It. So what's the total of that? Well, there's uh, they kind of work together. There's a, it's, If it was an, a Venn diagram, it's the middle. So 28 is just on the housing, 36% debt. Mm -hmm. So I guess if you have a mortgage, it's just 36% no matter what. So the mortgage plus a student loan or anything else, you don't go past 36. Your car loans, your yeah. credit cards. I'll bet more people are beyond that benchmark you created, Cole, than I'm confident. I'm confident, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. I didn't know you created Cole when I was learning on my textbook. Well, yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, if you look further into the – He helped me when I taught at the university. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. what it was. <laughs> I think this does show, though, how um, right how methodical you do need to be with all these are major purchases, right? When you're young, it's student loans and just where you want to go to college, assuming you're not going to have someone covering it for you. Yep. That's going to bleed into the home purchase more than likely. If you're stacked on that, that's probably going to tie into the college for the kids if you wanted that, if you want to pay for a wedding. So the major purchases are never going to stop. So it's more the earlier you can get on it, hopefully if you can tackle one at a time. You're probably going to be better off, and the rules of thumb are nice, but I generally think we all try and beat the rule of thumb if we can because anything could change. It could say. come up short. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we say budgets don't work. I mean, it's that kind of that right. same idea because life's going to happen. Yep, it's different for everyone, so cash flow is what works. Absolutely. Yep. And I guess uh, that ties in with the good financial habits too. Um once again, not to make anyone feel bad. Okay. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah. I see. I see you looking at me. Boy, is he <laughs> sensitive? <huh? laughs> but it's that kind of ties into the day to day too with uh, with your income, right? Do you buy a used car versus a new car? Do you lease? 
Um, do you buy lots of $7 lattes? I don't know. Teach their own, I say. <laughs> but it's all those things, too, that are going to – right. every decision impacts another one. And if you have a lot of major financial purchase goals, the more you can focus on it the day-to-day, or at least with good habits, the better off you're going to be. So we're going to well, keep so- – Yep, we're going to keep expanding on this in the next segment here, so please stick around for the last one. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. We're coming in on the home stretch here. So we've been talking for the majority of the show about major home purchases and everything that's involved with that. So last segment, we're really just going to be expanding upon the last three. So here's a, here's a dangerous one. John, we'll have to keep it tame. So uh, of everything we've talked about, right, houses, student loans, you name it, anyone willing to say like a bad major purchase or one that maybe people should steer away from if you take the emotion out of it? Well, if you take the emotion out of it, there are at least two that mm-hmm. could be bad. And the first one is debt for the college. Yeah. So again, we talked about it, but you should look at what you're going to earn when you get out of your college. Yep. And you ought to consider, should you even go to college? I mean, there's a terrific show. I've seen this guy. I can't think of his name, but he did dirty jobs. He talks yeah. about oh, Mike Rowe. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I like him a lot. And he talks about jobs and you know, there are a lot of people making a lot of money not having gone to college, mm-hmm. uh, including plumbers and carpenters. And I had a brother-in-law who was a fix-it man. He could do anything. <laughs> and everyone loved him, and he made plenty of money for him and his family. So that was a good deal. So that's number one. Make sure you should go to college. Don't just do it because everyone else is. And then the house thing, you know, if you bought the houses that you could afford, remember, technically you can only buy a house equal to two and a half times your income. Great so point. You're, you're, and people are going well beyond that. I mean, what is the average home out there, $300,000 now? Uh, I think in, I saw two seventy-seven. Two seventy-seven. That's insane. <clears throat> yeah. But people are doing it, so those are two. You agree with that, Cole? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep on you on the hot seat. You know, I mean, <laughs> if you're being strictly objective, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's... I think actually think that that house buying that is a very good rule of thumb because it is a very emotional aspect. But if you make two hundred thousand dollars as a household, the home doesn't exceed four hundred and fifty thousand, or that'd be five hundred thousand dollars is two mm-hmm. and a half times. You're probably going to be in a good spot. You're not putting your, yourself in a position where you'll be cash poor. Mm-hmm. That, that's the the worst position you want to be in. And uh, back to the student loans. Yeah, I mean, you you want to objectively identify what you want to do and what's going to come on the other side of that because if you're uh, what is it university of Sh- chicago is going to be the first university to exceed eighty thousand dollars a year in tuition oh my goodness but if you're going there and your uh your outlook for salary on the other end is maybe forty thousand dollars a year is university of chicago the right place for a lot of good choice <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh it's just so tough i mean that's a sickening number uh and once again i guess it comes down to i guess trying to just in Beat it into your kids' heads as quick as possible, right? There's a lot of good ways, right? It yep. seems like a pipe dream for a lot of people graduating with no student loan debt. You must have someone who's going to foot the bill for you. I mean, ideally, you live in a situation where maybe you can get some credits in high school. Do you do the community college to the next one? Because 
we keep really beating up on student loans and tying it back to the home because there's just so many studies out there where people, right? It, obviously, it's a no-brainer if you graduate college with no debt, you're able to save a lot better. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're in the minority. So yeah. just think about that. And to your point, John, I mean, college is not always the answer. And that's the tough part with making or telling kids to go to school at 18. Yeah, making that the biggest decision that will affect the rest yeah. of their life at yeah. 18 years old. And, and what's really amazing is if you look at the very, very successful people in the world, many of them have never gone to college. You mm -hmm. know that. Yeah, it's it's hard to bet my okay. life on an outlier, <laughs> yeah. but you're absolutely right. So if, you, if you're um, strong enough, <sighs> uh, motivated enough, and want to go do something, you don't need the college. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you get out of college? Uh, I'm a well-rounded individual. <laughs> the experience. Not anymore. Not as, as you know, I taught college for several years, and yeah. I've got to tell you, they didn't know anything. Yeah, I, I believe every bit of they that. They couldn't read. They couldn't write. They couldn't think. It was amazing. So I'm not sure what they're getting, and they're spending all this money, so they must be going for the party time. Here's a good final one. So we'll move past student loans. We'll move it past the mortgage if you decide you want to buy a house. What about the healthcare expenses? Okay. I mean, it's a fair one. I don't think I've talked to so many people where they talked to someone, they told them invest in a health savings account, right? An HSA, put your money in, grows tax deferred if you invest it, meaning you don't pay taxes on any growth along the way, spend it on health expenses in the future, comes out tax free. It's a great benefit. I just think there's such a knowledge gap because every time I talk to people, they're like, oh, someone told me to put put money in. I put too much in. Then I drain the health savings account, and you don't really use it the way it's intended. Yeah. But healthcare is so expensive, right? Maybe look at taking advantage of some of those tools. I love it. I love it. HSAs, it's the only thing out there that's triple tax advantaged like yep. that. <clears throat> so you want to use it right because to your point, if you're doing that but neglecting your, your 401K, for example, so you're not yeah. saving for the future – uh, but you end up using that HSA each year, you're not really positioning yourself to be in a better spot. Yeah. But if you use that in conjunction with everything else, that just supplements retirement. Mm -hmm. After all, we are talking about planning, right? Yep. Yeah. And so planning involves what do I put my money in first? How much do I put? And uh, do I maximize, not maximize? And then one of the things is the HSA, for example. It comes mm -hmm. down the line. It's not the first thing, but it might be the third thing in your right. in your family. So you have to go through that process. I still have an HSA. I have a you know few dollars in it, not very much, because <laughs> I am old. So there's well, a, there's a few dollars. I, they sent me a debit card. They're trying to tell me to use it. <laughs> you still just sending in the receipts, or have you? <laughs> so I think that's a big one, and just keep that in mind. And I will say that too. I think a lot of times once you put a lot into the four hundred one k or the or an IRA or whatever it is, people immediately want to jump to the, the fun and sexy stuff after that. I always tell people, even though you don't spend a lot on healthcare today, it's probably going to change in the future. Oh, yeah. Once again, framing it like a large purchase is kind of tough, but when you think about all the things that could start breaking down in the future, for lack of a better term, right, prioritizing things like that, considering healthcare expenses a major purchase, that's definitely up there too. Yeah, you see that. I've seen it all around me now, people with healthcare issues. <laughs> Uh, someone who's waiting to go in for heart surgery. He's been strong and healthy and active all his life. And all kinds of, you, your body starts to break down. You know, you need pills that you don't want to take, but you take and they're like $500 a month oh, for yeah. the silly pills. So there's so much in healthcare that people don't think about. So do consider it early on.
I think the closing or maybe one thing we could kind of tie in all these things too, and it <clears throat> excuse me, it relates to the comprehensive process, right? For all these major purchases, more than likely there's some tool out there that can help you along the way. Okay. If you have an HSA available, most employers will contribute to that for you. Okay. So look at the health insurance plan. Do they contribute for you? That's probably a good perk. If you have a retirement plan through work, do they contribute? Are you meeting the match? Can you go above and beyond that when you're young for that major purchase in the future? Take advantage of it. If you work when you're 18 and you want to go to college or do something else, maybe they offer a student loan reimbursement program. CBS does, Target does, a huge amount of retailers do. Are you taking advantage of it? Do they offer more exclusive benefits for a specific university? Right. Some of these, it's all about taking advantage, right? Take it, take hold of the reins and start to use these yep. things. It's some of these can sometimes seem insurmountable, and it seems like we're just throwing a bunch of depressing things out there. But it's not meant like that. It's just know what's going on around you, take advantage of it, and and you'll be better off for it. Those are great tips, Spencer. Yeah, I think just with the HSA, be careful. Yeah, uh, because traditionally they'll have a higher deductible, yep. maybe a higher out of pocket. They may not cover what it is you need. So don't just use it because, hey, it's a great tool. The HSA is going to make sense. But if it's going to put you behind because you have uh, regular, very high health expenses, make sure you do the math, do the research, and choose accordingly. Yep, absolutely. All right, everyone. Well, like I said, if this, uh, if you've already checked some of these off, hopefully there's someone out there you can send this to, and they can get some out of this as well. So please listen to the next episode. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN.